You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 93. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. At that time, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, to the close of the age. Amen. Today's reading is often referred to as the Great Commission, the final verses of Matthew's Gospel. We hear this read every 11th Sunday at Matins, as it's the first of the 11 Aethanon Gospels through which uh, we cycle it at Sunday Matins. So, Father, would you begin by discussing the location of this scene where Christ makes his final appearance in Matthew and gives this great commission in Galilee. Yeah, and to begin, let's just make sure we have a general understanding. Uh, Writing at the time of the Bible was an expensive and time-consuming task. We can often lose sight of that, but you didn't have word processors like we have today, of course. There was no printing press. Paper was extremely expensive, as were the scribes, who were the ones that actually wrote a work. And, and I share this background just to say that the Bible, a massive work in terms of the sheer volume of words and the paper that was used to write it, and thus uh, an extremely expensive work, did not include irrelevant details. There was a reason why those things that were included were included, and that means that including things like a location of the story that you mentioned today is significant, which is why Matthew notes then that this scene took place in Galilee. Thanks for giving us that context uh, and that window into why you often tell us that names and words and places are important in Scripture. And as you're saying, these are included for a reason and and not just to fill space. So with Galilee being included in today's story, what should we glean from that? Well, a couple things to take away from that, but both hinge on the same point. That Galilee is the place here in Matthew and his gospel where Jesus both begins and ends his public ministry. And why do you think that's important, Father? First of all, because Galilee is outside of Jerusalem. So Jesus both begins and ends his public ministry outside of Jerusalem in Gentile territory. And so this underscores the fact that Jesus opens up God's community to the inclusion of the Gentiles? Yeah, that's correct. But in addition to that, I think it has even further importance. Specifically, it shows that God's message does not come from Jerusalem, but unto Jerusalem. And what do you mean by that? What is the importance there? The importance is that Jerusalem, like everywhere on earth, is subject to God's message. God's message does not come out of Jerusalem. It does not come from there. That is to say that Jerusalem is not the source of God's message, but rather, as I said, God's message comes to Jerusalem for them to then accept or reject. And then from Jerusalem, in fact, 
after the Jerusalem authorities' rejection, then God's message is sent out to the Jewish outcasts, and ultimately, because there's still room at the banquet table, the message also goes all the way out back to the Gentiles. Interesting. Uh, but why this emphasis or focus on the message not coming from Jerusalem, of Jerusalem uh, not being the source? Yeah, very good question there, Jason. Thank you. The, the reason is because the message comes from above, from the Jerusalem above, as Paul refers to it, and not from the earthly Jerusalem. And of course, remember, the earthly Jerusalem is where you have the temple, you have the Jewish religious authorities and that whole establishment surrounding it. A whole lot of pomp and and circumstance around that, of course. There's a pride, a a vainglory associated with that. There's this self-righteous arrogance that those in Jerusalem are the source as though they control the message. Whereas what Jesus reveals is that God's message is contained in the scriptural revelation, the scriptural narrative of God's people, and not in the earthly Jerusalem and its establishment, that the earthly Jerusalem and the authorities there cannot control the message, but rather they must be controlled themselves by the message. So to put it succinctly, God's message comes from above, thus from outside Jerusalem, And it comes unto Jerusalem, meaning that ultimately the Jerusalem authorities will have to choose either to submit to the message or to be in disobedience to God's message. And we know that they ultimately decided to rebel, and that's why Jesus was crucified. And in other words, uh, they did not submit to God's message as taught in Scripture and as perfectly explained and lived by Jesus Christ. Mm, That's fascinating. Thanks for pointing that out. It it definitely seems to correspond to the issues that we've discussed uh, going on during St. Paul's ministry where the question was whether or not the Gentiles had to essentially become Jews to submit to the Jerusalem authorities. So I appreciate you pointing this out from Matthew's Gospel and this relatively subtle detail related to uh, the beginning and end of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. Now, earlier you mentioned there was another reason that the mention of Galilee is significant here. Uh, So the first is that it shows Jesus' message did not come from Jerusalem, but to Jerusalem. What's the second reason that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, so this is perhaps more clear in Mark's gospel, the first in, in terms of chronological order to be written. But it's also present here in Matthew's gospel. In Mark, The women are greeted at the empty tomb by what Mark refers to as a young man. And this young man tells them to go to Galilee, where he notes they will, quote, where they will see Jesus. And as I said, Galilee is where Jesus, both in Matthew and in Mark's gospel, began his public ministry. And so why is that important, do you think? I'm I'm trying to fully understand. Because ultimately, as literature... What is happening here in both Matthew and in Mark is that you, the reader, are being invited back to Galilee where it all began, where Jesus' public ministry began. In other words, you're invited to go back to the beginning of the gospel and to reread it, because there you will find Jesus. And this idea, this, this notion of finding Jesus in Scripture, is something conveyed to us through some of our Orthodox liturgical traditions, and I think it's important for us to point out that because, unfortunately, some Orthodox today are of a mistaken opinion that somehow this type of idea comes from Protestantism, from the doctrine of sola scriptura, but this couldn't be further from the truth. It comes from our own tradition that, of course, uh, predates those traditions by quite some time. And what liturgical traditions are you referring to here, Father? 
Uh, several things that we can point to easily. I mean, first of all, you have on the holy table what many people incorrectly refer to as the altar. Properly, it is called the holy table there at the center where the priest stands uh, in front of that holy table during the divine liturgy. But there we keep the book of the Holy Gospels, Jesus' words at the center of that table at all times. And we also sense around that holy table because it's where this book resides. You also have the entrance at, at the liturgy. The deacon lifts that same book that was set at the center of the holy table, and the clergy and the people bow down before it as we sing, Come, let us worship, and fall down before Christ. We're not turning and bowing to the icon of Christ. We bow down before that book that's being held up by the deacon that was venerated by the bishop when he's present or by the priest in the bishop's absence, and we worship the Christ who is taught to us in that book. And then the final quick example that I want to use here is the service of holy unction. At that service, the priests hold the book, the the book of the Gospels above the heads of the people who are bowed down, and they say, I do not lay my hand on thy people, but thy mighty hand, which is in this book. So these are all powerful examples of what I'm saying, namely that Jesus at his resurrection in Mark, invites the disciples, and of course, by extension, us, the reader, to return back to Galilee, back to the beginning of his ministry, to read about it again, and to repent and live that same teaching that Jesus lived as an example for us. Thank you for that exhortation, Father. So to conclude today, would you briefly discuss the explicit directions given here by Christ to go baptize the nations and also unpack any implications of these final verses. Yeah, it's interesting because we tend to focus on the first part of Jesus' statement there, as, as you did, which is normal. When we paraphrase something familiar, we usually do it, of course, by referring to the first words of the entire phrase. But here, with Jesus' words, we have to ensure we don't forget the end of his statement, which says, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. And why do you stress that? Well, because ultimately the purpose of being baptized is that uh, we should not turn baptism into a sterile act, a, a mere formality of observing the letter of Jesus' word. We need to also observe the spirit of his words. And the spirit is that we're baptized, symbolizing our spiritual death to sin and our renewal of life through his grace. We're cleansed, we're washed, we're renewed, that we may live by grace. And ultimately then, the Christian life, the way of Jesus, is to follow his teaching, his teaching of loving your neighbor, of loving your enemy, of extending the grace that he gave you in baptism to others who also are in need of that same grace. And so let me conclude by saying that Jesus' teaching is not so much one of dogma or theology per se, but a way of life of observing certain characteristics and traits that he himself taught us by his own way of life, which is, of course, recorded for us to learn in the divine scriptures. Thank you, Father. We began our discussion today with a reminder that writing was once an expensive and very time-consuming task. Because of this, we can be assured that there is a reason for specific details to be included in scripture. Today's reading is no exception. In the final verses of Matthew's Gospel, we read that the Great Commission was given by Christ in Galilee. This was the place where Jesus both begins and ends his ministry. Father Aaron explained that this is significant because Galilee is outside of Jerusalem in Gentile territory. Here we see that Jerusalem is not the source of God's message, but rather God's message comes to Jerusalem. And so the Jerusalem authorities must choose either to submit 
or to be in disobedience to God's message. We then discuss the importance of the invitation given to the reader to return to Galilee, meaning that we are invited back to the beginning of the gospel so that we would read it again, repent, and live out the teachings of Christ. Finally, we should remember that Jesus' final words in Matthew to teach and observe all that he has commanded points us to the Christian life, one in which we love our neighbor and our enemy and extend the grace Christ gave us to others who also are in need of grace. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God and our hope, glory to